This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. After Sunday's results in the Community Shield, we can exclusively confirm that it is indeed a proper trophy. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast, where we'll be analysing where Manchester City are ahead of kickoff to the new Premier League season. We'll be looking back at Sunday's 2 0 win over Chelsea, where it looked like City hadn't even been away. How will Guardiola fit all of his attacking players into the team? Just how good is Sergio Aguero? Does Phil Foden have a chance of breaking through properly into the starting lineup this season? We'll try to provide the answers to all of those questions and more over the next hour or so. There's also the business of transfers to sort out. The window has now slammed shut and we know what City squad will look like until January at the very least. So we'll be assessing if Pep Guardiola has got all the reinforcements he needs for another extraordinary campaign. We'll preview the trip to Arsenal. There's going to be the return of Howard Hocking and we'll be answering your questions on Ask the Panel. So... With all that in mind, we better get going with this week's show. I'm your host, Sam Roscoe, and I'm joined in the studio by two City fans, two top birds in the shape of Murd and Andy McNabb. Fellas, how are you doing? Hi. Hi. Good evening. Thanks for having us back. It's wonderful yeah. to see you both again. Thank you. Thank you. What a season it turned out to be as well. It was well. okay, wasn't it? Was right. not bad, it was, was it? all right. It was, all right. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Be- best you've ever seen? <laughs> just, just a bit, Sam. Yeah, yeah just, just a, bit. a lot. Yeah, Amazing, unbelievable, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, really good. So it was just, it was special, wasn't it? I'd, I'd you know, I just think, uh, I just wonder whether we'll ever see anything like that again. Really, I, I hope so. I haven't but, stopped looking at that Southampton clip, that Gabriel Jesus goal. I just, yeah. I just can't. It's just that that season meant meant the world to me, and I, I, I can't for the life of me think how we could will better that no. or anybody for that matter. But We'll give it see. a try. It's it's one of them, isn't it? You know, you at the time you don't really realise what's going on, and I, and I don't think we'll ever understand until you know a number of years down the line when we look back oh, at it and go, right, "Oh yeah. my god, yeah. I think, can I, you believe that?" I think the stats are ridiculous. I'm not a big one on stats, obviously. I, I I loved watching the game itself and all this that and the other, but and and the, and the stats look after themselves. But I I've never seen. I've seen some great sides in this Premier League, you know, the United's, uh, the Arsenal's, you know, the, all this and the other. Mm. But I've never seen a team dominate week in, week out like we've did this year. I've never seen, I've never seen with, that. With, with, with consummate ease yeah. at, at times. Yeah. It, it was it was easy. And I know that sounds awful, but actually I'm looking at it in the cold light of day. There was the odd last minute performance, but generally, especially that run of 18 wins, there was it, it, yeah. some of that was breathtaking, and the best thing about it all, as we are approaching the, the new season, obviously um, we, we've had a few pre-season games, but when it, it it sort of got relatively serious with the Community Shield, mm. it, it didn't look as if anything had changed. I mean, let's talk about that game against Chelsea, convincing two 0 win, and I suppose really there's there's only one place to start. There's been so many questions about his future, you know, every sort of summer for the past few years. But Sergio Aguero is, mm. is looking better than he ever has. The yeah. great striker we've ever had. And mm. uh, still I feel there are elements of, of of the British football fan base as well as the City fan base who who there's still an element where he's underrated. He is the absolute... He, he is the greatest City player of all time, City striker of all time. And it would not surprise me if he has two more excellent seasons with us before he before he leaves Pep. Pep is the master of bringing out the best in people later on in the careers. He did it with Xavi Alonso. Um, he's done it with Xavi and Iniesta. It wouldn't surprise me if he if he gave Sergio a new lease of life. He, he is fantastic and just much needed. Gabriel Jesus is absolute quality and you can tell how far he's going to go in the game. But in terms of finishing... There's no one to touch him in that Premier League. Yeah. Maybe Harry Kane at a push, but that's I th- it. Yeah, I think I, I think going off that, I think his goal scoring per minutes is better than anybody else is ever in the mm. Premier League, which which puts him right there at the top, doesn't it? But the, but the the issue here with with Aguero is is how long he can keep going. But I think the fitness levels 
that he has now are better than he's ever had. I've never seen he works back so much. Um, I think it was was he at one point he was at uh, virtually at centre half on on Sunday at one point working back. So you know if they lose the ball, you know I, th- I think it's fair to say two years ago if Aguero lost the ball, he'd be expecting the midfielders to pick it back up for him and yeah. give it to him and let him go and do his work. And that was fair enough. That was his. That was what he was. He was told to do. Now he's been told, and this is when, as we all know, Jesus got brought in, and he got benched, and he said, "Watch what he does." And he basically yeah. saw the work rate that he expects yeah. from his striker, and Aguero does it. He does it. You, you've both hinted at it there, but is he now a Guardiola-style striker, or do you think there's there's more to come from? Him? Um, I think he's. I think. Well, he's never. More, I think. I think there's more to come from him. Yeah. I do. I think Pep can coach that other side of it, the Gabriel Jesus side of it. I think Pep can coach that in him. What you can't coach is an absolute killer eye for goal. You've got players in the careers who've been brilliant at yeah, leading yeah. the line yeah. up front and defending from the front. He has got a killer eye for goal. And you know, the stat Andy rolled out said it said for, was is there for all to see. I, I think I've got a great great confidence in Aguero this season and I think he'll he'll be up there again in the late 20s early 30s for goals I think he's mm. he's he's more complete than he was last year ago he's more complete than he was two years ago and I genuinely think by the end of the season we could be looking at saying actually that was probably his best season for City being a little bit cynical though he missed a couple of chances still yeah. on Sunday yeah. do you think that's just a little bit of rustiness from the World Cup yeah, yeah. I mean well, to, by the way can I just say most strikers miss chances that's a fact yeah. of life we, and we just forget about those generally don't we yeah. I mean uh, you know you, you, um, you know some of the really you know, Henri missed chances sitters you know um, so, they, so you expect that you know that, I think that's just football no, you know, not, I've not he, got a concern uh, no not at all I mean I think he'll score you know most strikers he, he only needs two or three chances to score one goal there's a lot of strikers need a bit more than that when, when we're looking at putting the ball in the back of the net in the next nine months he's not going to be top of my list for concerns no we were saying it at the end of last season and we'll say it again now but Bernardo Silva is, is really beginning to shine isn't he in this team <laughs> I think I better take this one on Andy uh, seeing as uh, yeah so I, I had quite a bit to say about him last season I, was, I, I looked at it quite objectively and I thought in the front three he wasn't suited to our game I think he, he, he tended to get the ball, slow it down, assess his options quite a lot, whereas the Sané Sterlings and Jesus, that front three, electric, didn't stop and think, just caused terror. And I think he was more poised, shall we say. I think it was generally, it was generally accepted by the fan base that actually longer term he'd been brought in to replace David Silva. And, uh, and if that is a marker for, for the future of this club in midfield replacing David Silva, then... Um, we, we whilst we'll be upset to see him go in fact it'll be horrendous but we won't talk about that at the moment um, if that's the future then we've got a lot to look forward to he was fantastic on Sunday absolutely brilliant I know you can caveat everything with it's only a kickabout it's only a friendly and yeah it was and the, the temperature and so on and so forth he was light years ahead of anything Chelsea had to offer it's no coincidence is it really that he put in that performance he, he got the chance to play centrally yeah. how do you think he did? I thought he was outstanding, and and you know I I, I think was by Mares gives him that chance to play more in the middle. I think that the, the him David Silver and KDB will, will all be uh, switched in and out of that role. You know I think David Silver probably get more rest this season than he had uh, previously because you know he's getting old. We wanted you know if we can save we can play him thirty games instead of forty games, fifty games a season, and get another season out of him to extend his career at City. Then I think everybody wins with that. Yeah. Um, so, him going in there, I thought it was fantastic. I think there's one thing. I mean, I think his skill is and his ability is is a fair role to see. I think when he played against us, Monaco, um, home and away, he was outstanding. The ball sticks to his foot. I think it's called bubble gum in training, isn't he, or something. I think they call him bubble gum because the ball just sticks to his foot. So, he uh, there's one thing um, in that game where Aguero shot and he was going to the corner flag, and. Um, everyone else on the pitch was just standing watching apart from the defender who should be picking looking for it full back and then Bernardo Silva ran past everybody sprinted past everybody his awareness gets to the gets the ball harasses the defender takes the ball off him right in the byline yeah. and and you know it was just that sort of stuff there where you, you know you can have all the skill in the world but have you got the desire have you got the 
you know the awareness, the game management, and everything else to go with it. And, and to me, he, has. he showed every, he's got everything really, absolutely everything. I'm quite excited by, him, to be honest with. You. It was the first proper chance for us to see Riyad Mahrez in a in a kind of competitive game, although he did get. 50 Burke points for posting on social media that it was the first trophy he'd won with the club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> noted, uh, Riyad. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on his performance? Um, I, I thought he did okay. I think he had a slightly better second half than he did first half. There was a few times where what he did do well is drew their defence, he spread their defence, he stayed on the touchline on the right-hand side, and it was part of that that, that gave Aguero so much time for his first goal, because Mares pulled their full-back and their left-sided centre-half mm. out. Um, there were a few times where he got the ball in the penalty area made the wrong choice. It's his first game, it's at, well, first proper game, it's at Wembley, uh, you know, for, Man- for the league champions. It almost looked like he was trying too hard. I've no concerns. Every time I've watched him, I've thought he's, he's, he's looked really good. He had a couple of decent chances in the second half. Um, again, too, too early to tell um, Fame he's just getting used to a new side. And, and don't forget the games he has played. You know, not all of the squad have been there. So, again, probably after the international break, he'll probably get more into it. But I've no concerns. I think he's a great player. Andy, what does Riyad Mahrez offer that, that City don't already have? Well, I think as a squad thing, what he offers us is that, 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 that first of all, that chance for Mariano to go back in the middle, but also he's given, you've got three wingers now, three you know quality wingers in Sane, Sterling and him. We can switch them all about. You can create problems for the opposition by changing them about. You can put them all, either, all three of those can play either side if they're asked to, to come inside onto the better foot um, if they need to. So I just think he offers, offers us... Um, Options that we never had, but I think the thing is with him as well is that he works so hard. I remember him at Leicester playing for Leicester, mm. and he works hard. But it's not just his skill on the ball; you can see a pass as well. You know, he, he's not just a lad who can dribble and get past the player and just put a, you know, just throw a ball into the box, not even thinking about it. He does mm. see a pass, you know. And I've seen him so when, you know, when Leicester used to break on everybody, mm. didn't they? Broke on us more times than I care to imagine. <laughs> scored too many goals, but they did. They break on us, didn't they? You know, and you'd see him, and not always would he just run with the ball. There's times when he'd just play a 30-yard pass right to Vardy's feet, and Vardy just run a little bit further and put it in the back of the net. So he, he's he's got a good game management again. He's you know he's a decent player. He gives he gives Sterling and Sané competition for yeah, places. Proper competition. They're, yeah. they're young. They're, it, to some degree, there might be questions about Sané's uh, attitude at times. I know he went off at half time. I think might have been injury, might have been form or whatever. But it just gives them a little nudge to say those two playing berths aren't yours, and it yeah. just creates yeah, that competition for places. But Andy's right. Some of the balls he played over the top. They'd play it to the midfield. The midfielder would play it back to Mares. Mares would play a 30-40 yard ball over the top to, to Vardy and it was 1-0. And he can give us that. With the pace we've got up front, he can play those balls as well. So it's a great signing. I was going to say, we we saw what he did when he had the likes of Jamie Vardy and Ujoa up front for, for Leicester. Yeah. But yeah. you know now he's got Sergio Aguero, Leroy Sane, mm-hmm. Raheem Sterling. Yeah. It's, it's exciting, isn't it? You oh, know? Yeah. It's like, there you go, just... But it's, yeah. exciting, the ball. but it's exciting yeah. for him as well. Yeah. I mean, he's got the move yeah. of a yeah. lifetime. Yeah. He's already won the Premier League, <laughs> and now he's going to win a few more. Great. Uh, we saw John Stones and Aymeric Laporte at the back for City against Chelsea. Do you expect that to be the main pairing this season, no. even with a fit company? No, I don't. And I, not because I don't think they're the future. They definitely are. I think I, the reason I don't, I don't see that we're going to have two centre-halves playing every week, week in, week out, until somebody gets injured or something, because I actually think that with the four centre halves we've got, there's so many different uh, ways you can mix them up. I mean, you say if you're playing a, a side with plays a long ball, um, and they've got big guys, you know, this sort of, that sort of team, then you play company not Otamendi because you need that strength mm-hmm. of the back, you need that height, that ball winning, and everything else. Generally, these are the those are the players. Um, you know, I think Stones and Laporte are. The ball playing centre, your ball playing centre So you could play one with the other one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's times when you can play one, so, with, so you can get the mix yeah, yeah. right. So it's more sort of like horses for courses when yeah. it comes to centre backs. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think you know when people say what's City's strongest side, who's you play? The, 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 the recruitment is that that you could put anybody in there and it will beat anybody or give anybody a game. So there isn't a, a nailed on front three. 
There's a nailed on mid- midfield too at the moment, which is Kevin Dave. Yeah. But Bernardo's going to push them for that. And Fernandinho. And, and you can argue there's nailed on fullbacks, really. Yeah. yeah. But no, there's four centre halves for two spots. What I would say, though, is are they the third choice? No, they're not. But I think those two were, were for me, I know Bernardo got a lot of headlines. I know Phil Foden got a lot of headlines as well. I was great. They they stuck out for me the following yeah, morning when the World Cup. Yeah. I thought they were fantastic. John Stones just carried on from the World Cup. He was absolutely outstanding. But a lot of the balls that Laporte played to break the lines into midfield, either over the strikers or through the strikers, there was one ball that he played along the deck that set up the first goal mm. to, to Bernardo, to Foden, to Aguero. It was in. The ball was unbelievable, and he's got a great cross field pass as well. So I think they are more in the pet mould. But when you're away at Real Madrid, and you 2 nil up from the first leg, I wouldn't necessarily have them two playing. Not necessarily. And maybe have the old mm. experienced heads in there. But who knows what Pep's going to do. But I thought they were the real success story of Sunday. Bit of a mixed day for, for Claudio Bravo. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, you know, I, I think he's a... You know, this is a... Uh, I think he gets left open sometimes. He's not a great handler of the ball, we know that. Um, and Edison's by far better than him. I think the thing with him is he's he's had problems in the past with his handling. Um, he's, but you know the thing is is that I don't get the criticism. I do get the criticism. I understand that, but sometimes one thing that really gets gets on my nerves a little bit is the fact that he makes a fumble like that. But there's two players made a mistake before him because there was a massive gap there which should never have been. I mean. It, Defending is is about making sure that you you protect your goalkeeper. We didn't give him a chance there, and that ball got hit at him from twelve yards. It came to him. Um, Once in a should have scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah he should have done. And yeah. but the thing is, is that, and so you know, it's. I just he's not the answer, is he? Let's have it right. But but saying that, you know, to me, in the in the Carly Cup last year, I thought he was excellent. I thought. Um, He's not as bad as some people make out. I think there was one point when he went to the um, sorry the Car- Carabao Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. But but one point where um, there are other energy drinks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but at one point last uh, on Sunday where um, one Chelsea player got round the back of everybody, and Bra and a ball came in from the left hand side, and Bravo read it, and he came yeah. out and he got his hand on it and got it away. I mean, and every defender had left this guy. And Bravo spotted it and went out and realised he had to take some responsibility. Yeah. And nev- nobody says a word about that. But to me, that was really good goalkeeping. You're not. You're you're going to be shocked here, Andy. But I actually think you've been a little bit too harsh on him. And I think I think you have as well, Sam. About it was a mixed day for him. Well, the Claudio Bravo I saw, every single pass, oh, he's, bar uh, he's one, passing, yeah. was absolutely outrageous. And I mean, almost. Yeah. Most, uh, say if he played 100 passes, 99 of them were absolutely fantastic. Uh, especially the ones under, seen. Yeah, under yeah. pressure under one pressure. as well. Yeah. But the ones where you'll just pick it, you don't know how hard a skill that is to play no, it over no, three, yeah. no, like it's right. the halfway line, to mend his chest. It's, it's important. And when you break it down, there's three that I think you're referring to. The one that went over his head, yeah. that was his big, big mistake yeah. to me. That was a bit ridiculous. Yeah. The Hudson Adoy shot, it bounced just in front of him and it parried and it hit his chin and it went out to sort of there. They happen all the time, I'm sorry. The other one, where he came out and met the cross and was very brave, blocked it, and it went up yeah, again and was spinning. Great, yeah. And yeah, he could have got that, but it was spinning like hell. There was about four of our players on the line. It wasn't a really... So he's played much, much worse than that yeah, and he's yeah. nowhere near a starting berth and he's become a figure of fun. I actually thought he played quite well on Sunday. Well, I think I think going back to I think the reason why he's our number two is because of um, how good he is with his feet. Let's have it right. Yeah. That, that's exactly why he's our number two, and I think that's why he'll continue to be our number two because it all comes from there, doesn't it? Edison was bought for that. Yeah. Bravo. You know, in fairness to Bravo, he's always been a number one for him to sit and you know people can say, well, he's getting paid, isn't he, and all that and the other. But all yeah. oh, the the guy's a millionaire. He wants to play football, and and for him to to accept. His role now, I think he's quite humble, really, for a player a player who's played at the right at the top. Yeah. Maybe because he's getting a bit older, you can accept it a little bit more. But I just think... Um, I, I, I don't get some of the stick he gets, to be honest with you, because it's not like Edison has never made a mistake. I've got a theory on it, though. The theory is, is that the, the, the way in which... Joe Hart, not, not this week, but at the time, was mm. dispatched from the club. Yeah, yeah. And, it was... Um, and, and it was like, right, OK... 
he was dispatched from the club in a fairly clinical way, and that's fine because that's Pep, and we all believe in him. However, he was replaced by a keeper who isn't as good as him, right? He's not as good as him, and that first season with Claudio Bravo, I don't recall him saving many shots, which ultimately sounds laughable. But I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not poking fun at him. But I don't remember him saving any shots. So I think the view from City fans is polarised because of the way Joe yeah. Hart was, Joe treated, Hart was yeah. replaced, and Joe Hart is a better keeper than him, but. He just doesn't fit Pep's profile. That's it. Uh, Someone who certainly looks like he fits the bill under Pep Guardiola is the Stockport youngster Phil Foden. He had a very impressive game. Does it prove that he's now ready for that increased responsibility in this team? Well, I think he's definitely increased, yeah. Whether he's going to take a full part, I'm not sure. And I don't think he should, to be quite honest with you. I think, you know, everyone forgets he's still a young, young kid. 70, 18, has he just turned 18? Um... And he's got all the time in the world. And sometimes what we do is we push people and we push young players. Especially the English ones. Yeah. Build and we, we want them to do, yeah, we build them up and we want them to, and, and the pressure's too much. I mean, let's not forget that we had a very young uh, local lad who um, couldn't take the pressure. Yeah. And sadly, John yeah, John and, and sadly, you know, it, it was. You know, he, he decided that his his future was away from the game, and that was a, you know, and that's sad because the guy. I don't know about you, but I thought he was an absolute unbelievable talent. I thought he was fantastic, and I had great, you know, this, you know, this young another young kid come from Michael our Johnson academy. Was the new Colin Bell, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was. And there's the pressure, said, but let's, there's let's the pressure. Honest, yeah. Into, yeah, and even you know, when he, even when he came back as well, we saw flashes of his brilliance. Yeah, he yeah. scored that goal against um, Scunthorpe again, wasn't it? Was it Scunny? I don't know. It was the Etihad, wasn't it? In the cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, you know, I, I just thought his passing was great. You know, his, his game management. You know, he sort of floated along the, the surface of the pitch. You know, yeah. and he just looks a wonderful player. But, but obviously, um, and you know, it's really sad that you know the the pressure of the game of playing the game of putting a shirt and going out in front of a crowd and everything else got to him. And I, I really think that we have to be careful with Foden because he's obviously got the talent. And he's a local lad. There's a pressure on that, by the way, of, of being a local, a, a Man mm-hmm. City fan. People keep talking about that. I'm talking it up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a Bert, and he's this, and he's that, <laughs> and that's great. But it's pressure. Yeah. And, and we want. Pep, Pep is quite rightly saying, you know what? I love this lad. I think he's a great player. He's superb. He's exactly what I want. But you know what? We're just going to dip him in and it, take him out. And he looked at ease. Treat him right. He looked at ease. He played brilliantly. He's through ball to Aguero. Uh, for the one that I think he missed, was sublime. Um, I like him a lot. It's just his natural progression will be, he played a couple of games as sub and a few starts in the in the Carabao Cup. Um, he'll play four or five, six, seven or eight more games this season. But mm. then he'll only be 19. But all the while he's training with Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva. So mm. and his development's there. And he'll, he'll, he'll go on. Uh, and he'll go on. There was a time when I thought he might go on loan, but I saw enough on Sunday to say no. I think he'll get games. He'll get games at home against maybe lower league opposition or lower Premier League opposition. But Andy's right. There is no rush with him. Pep knows, and I think mm. I think it, 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 there's time for his progression. The other side of it, looking at it clinically, is he's not as good as Kev, Dave, or Bernard. No. Yet. 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 Yeah. You're but right. they're not. They're yeah. not. You know, they were like him when they were 18, yeah. 19. But you'll get there, and but, then you'll be a first choice. And is it, there's another side of it as well. Is it? I mean, he, he's a tiny lad. He is. He is a small lad. And it's and, and the difference between him and Silver and Bernardo are both tiny as well. Is the fact that they're twenty, you know, in the twenties, thirties, and they've got a bit of muscle about them and everything else. They've learned to use the body a certain way on the pitch when they, you yeah. know, whether against bigger, bigger opponents. And I saw two or three, right at the very beginning of the game, first 20 minutes, I saw two or three times where he just got shrugged off the ball, yeah. uh, folded, which isn't his fault. You know, he's, a, you know, he's about nine stone yeah. wet through. <laughs> um, but he, that, again, you know, as we're talking there, the games he gets, the training he gets, that's all going to, he's, he's going to put some yeah. muscle on. He's going to put a little bit more bulk on him and he's going to be able to use his body a bit better yeah. against, these, against these bigger guys, you know. Um, but, yeah, he's an outstanding talent, isn't he? Well, it is time to move on, and just before we came into the studio to record this week's podcast, the transfer window slammed shut. It's the first summer in a while, really, when City haven't been the big movers and shakers in opening the checkbook. But they did break their own transfer record quite early on. David Mooney has been looking at the club's business in this window. 
do you strengthen a team that scored 100 points last season? How do you strengthen a team that broke the record for the most Premier League goals scored? How do you strengthen a team that put in perhaps the best top flight campaign ever? When you analyse the number, I would say we can improve the numbers. No, that I agree with you. We cannot be better in, in terms of numbers. But in terms of playing football, yes. Because the players can do better, the managers well, in like a group, like a team, we can do better. Of course, the answer is to add more attacking options to the lineup. Despite scoring for fun last season, the manager went out and smashed City's transfer record for Leicester's Riyad Mahrez. The Algerian told City TV why he made the move. It's because it's a big club and I want to win uh, titles and I know it's, uh, it's, it's the best club here to try to win things with the manager, with the team. He added that he was looking forward to working with the manager. The first year was a bit difficult but he showed after that what he's done last year with the team was amazing and unbelievable. And of course it's a, it's a type of manager who, who likes to play. When you see his team, you can tell his Guardiola, you know, he has his like a print in, in the team. So I'm very happy to play under him and I hope we will achieve a lot of things. Yeah. So that was City's first signing of the summer done and dusted. In the background, they were working hard to bring in Jorginho from Napoli as well. Talks between both clubs and the player were ongoing for some time, and for a while it seemed like all was in place for the midfielder to become Guardiola's second edition of the summer. But it fell through and he joined his former boss Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea. Goal.com's Sam Lee followed the story. It was back in April that we found out that City were going strong for Jorginho. They'd done what they always do. They'd agreed personal terms with the player, and then all that was left was to agree a fee with Napoli. And City did actually get there. Aurelio De Laurentiis, the Napoli president, he personally signed off on the deal, and all parties were happy. But the problem, ultimately, was that Napoli were also negotiating with Chelsea, so Mauricio Sarri could go to Stamford Bridge and replace Antonio Conte, despite the fact that Napoli had already got Carlo Ancelotti in to replace him. Sam explains that put a spanner in the works for City. What De Laurentiis wanted was about seven or eight million pounds in compensation for Chelsea, and what he realised was the only way he was going to get that was if it was included in a slightly inflated price for Jorginho to go to Chelsea with Sarri. In the end, once he realised that was the only thing he could do, he informed City, he informed Jorginho that the only way he would sanction a deal for Jorginho to leave Napoli this summer was if he went to Chelsea. Sam says it meant that City's hands were tied. Ultimately, City were left empty-handed because Napoli would only sell to Chelsea. That said, Jorginho and Sarri do have a great relationship. They've worked together for three years, but yet City were left empty-handed on their top target because Aurelio De Laurentiis wanted his money from Mauricio Sarri. But Guardiola said he wasn't overly concerned at missing out on the deal. The holding midfielder is the position that we have uh, not less players because Dinho is there, of course, one more year, but, but Gundogan can play there, Fabian Delft can play there, uh, Alex Sinchenko, if he finally stay, can play there. So we have players who can play in that position. The manager insisted that while he had plans for Jorginho at the club, it wasn't a blow to miss out on him. And it would have been a mistake for him to join City if his heart wasn't in it. I want a player who likes to come to Manchester City and he doesn't like to come. So maybe it was a little bit late to announce that, but uh, when he decides don't come, don't come. Okay, good luck from Chelsea and I think for English football we're going to discover an exceptional holding midfielder. So nobody put a gun in his head to say, okay, you have to come because I say no. It's quite similar from Alexis. So he decided to go to United. It meant that City was suddenly linked to replacements. Stories emerged that they wanted to bring in Miralim Pjanic, but Guardiola was quick to dismiss the rumours. No, Pjanic is player Juventus at Turin and uh, we are not interested in Pjanic. Saying that is a top player, but we are not interested in him. It was proving to be a quiet window, but on the outgoing front there was some activity, though nothing in the way of major headlines. Pablo Maffeo joined Stuttgart for £9 million, while goalkeeper Angus Gunn made the switch to Southampton for £10 million. Angelino also moved on, heading to PSV for an undisclosed fee, believed to be in the region of £5 million. Joe Hart was the biggest name that confirmed his departure from the club too, but it was hardly a surprise to see him move on after two years out on loan. He left for Burnley in a deal thought to be worth £3.5 million. In his final interview with City TV, he thanked the fans for their support during his 12-year stay. I came to Manchester City as a, as a Shrewsbury Town player, as a, as a kid from Shrewsbury, 
and it was you know the pinnacle for me to be at this club and that was before you know they were challenging for titles and challenging for leagues it was huge um, and I was so excited to be here and I was welcome from day one as someone who I think they I think they saw in me someone who was just going to try his best and, and try and get the best out of whatever he had and I'd like to think that's how I've been appreciated and I wouldn't have been able to do the things I did if I wasn't um, embraced how I have been so I'm happy to have given you know the fans some great memories and Hopefully I'll be I'll be thought of well when I when I do leave. The goalkeeper seemed sad but philosophical about how his time at the Etihad had ended. It's not worked for me here in the in the last couple of years, but that's fine. You know that's football. You know I've shown that I'm willing to go out and fight and willing to go and uh, and give my all for for anyone who will give me the opportunity to play for them. So. I just want to build up another relationship with a new club. Um, you know, it'll never die with what, what I've got here, but I think, you know, I think we can all shake hands and move on. Um, the club will keep moving forward and I'll keep being happy and in years to come I'd imagine I'll be coming to watch and still be a part of the club, but that's football-wise that's gone for me now. It had looked like Alexander Zinchenko would follow Hart out the door with a £16 million move to Wolves lined up. Everything seemed to be sealed until the player about turned on the transfer and opted to stay at the Etihad on deadline day. And that was that when it came to senior players. The truth is City didn't really need to do much this summer. They'd strengthened during the January window and they were also comfortably the best team in the league by last May. Nothing much should have changed just a few months on. And you know the old phrase, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Hello, my name is Gerard Beacons, a former player of Manchester City and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. David Mooney looking at the business done by Manchester City in the transfer window. What have you made of, of that business that, that, that took place? I'm pleased that we haven't been taken to the cleaners uh, and I'm pleased that, that we didn't enter into any mad bidding I and mean, I'm pleased that we haven't been made to look a bit stupid on the last day like other football clubs. Um, but... But I, it's just a nagging doubt about that cover for Fernandinho. I just... I mean, you can't just go and buy anybody. You can't just go and put me in there and think, right, well, you'll be all right in the league games. But likewise, with our scouting network and with the, the attraction we've got of being you know, the greatest ever Premier League champions, I'd have thought we'd have sorted something. We were unlucky with Fred, unlucky with Jorginho, but I'm a little bit worried about that because I don't think we've got the cover. Uh, and, and specifically... I'm not sure Gundogan is 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 suited. If if we lose Fernandinho for a last 16, last eight semi final for for the Champions League, then it's going to really hinder us. But 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 generally, we've we've done all our hard work last summer buying the fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. So I'm fairly calm about it. I just wouldn't have minded a bit of cover for that for Fernandes' role. Feeling a, in a better position than in seasons gone by when City have been defending the Premier League going into it. You yeah. feeling? Yeah, I feeling think so. I think I think the thing is, first of all, is a system, isn't there's a it? Gap. There's a system. Um, there's also, I think the thing is as well is that I think we all know that Guardiola can take a player 10, 15, 20 percent from where he thought he could his, his level was and take him higher. And I, you know, one of the things that I, I try and listen to what he he says in his interviews, and he said we needed probably you know to somebody to replace Fernandinho to you know like for like. Um, and then he talks about John Stones having the height, and I think that's the sort of key that you, you've got to listen to with him. Is not just you know the player, but he. The difference is, say in Germany where he had Lam, he got moved Lam from fullback to the pivot, yeah. didn't he? the pivot as we as he calls yeah. it, right? And he moved there, but he didn't need height there because in Germany everything's on the floor generally. Over here. Most things are on the floor these days, and that's becoming more and more the, the the norm in the Premier League. But there's also that British way of banging the big high ball in, like United do it, don't they? Still, you know, which is a you know, it's still mm. a, a tactic. You know, I don't understand why people get criticised for that. I think it's still a, a you know, banging a big ball up to Lukaku is not a bad thing because it clears it right up to their, the opposition's half. But the thing is, <clears throat> uh, Fernandinho was quite good in the air for his height. I don't want anyone else notices that, but I think he's a really good header of the ball for his mm -hmm. height. He gets up, he's got a really good leap on him. John Stones has got everything to play in that role, as in the fact that he's got the height for that ball that gets that gets launched up. Uh, in certain games, we're talking now, 
Okay, so but he's also got the technique. Um, I've got no doubt about that. So, uh, but uh, Delph is another option for me. I think he's got the tenaciousness to the tenacity to uh, to get involved in in that area. You know what I mean? I think he's got he's can pass with either foot. Um, he can read the game well. I mean, he, you know, for a guy who played left back most of last season, a guy who's never played left back before, mm. just shows his adaptability. Yeah. You know, and he, and his willingness to learn. So I've got no doubt that whatever you know, whatever happens, Guardiola will come up with a solution, you know, and a solution that that would be good mm. because I, he, he, you know, I think the, the first year, his first season, we saw a lot of things, a lot of problems, you know, like you saying about the fullbacks, and and he wanted to, he wanted to understand the British Premier League, and then within a summer, he's turned us from a third, a team that finished third, into the greatest. You know the greatest season in the Premier League, mm. so can he can he get another player to play there? Absolutely. We touched on Mares already in the show, but at, at sixty million, pretty much a bargain, isn't it for for numbers that are going around these days? Yeah, um, I think I do think too many football fans get hit up about the money that's paid, and I don't just mean that about our players, although it does seem to centre around our players. But generally, Chelsea buying this keeper for £70 million doesn't matter. A player's worth is what the buying club is prepared to pay. End of story. So, yeah, we knew that football went mental bloody 20 years ago. So, we, we, we know that. £60 million's a good price for Mares. It doesn't matter. We needed a Mares for competition for places. You know, we were always going to get him for around about that figure. It is a really good, good figure, but... Um, my, my view is that fees these they stopped going out the window when Alan Shearer got bought for, for for four million quid for Blackburn, you know. Then it just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled, and then we got involved and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's great. I think and I'm just pleased that we've got him in. Doesn't really matter to me about the fee. Mm. Um, Joe Hart has now left the club. What are your thoughts on the deal sending him to to Burnley? Um, well, goes with I think most people's best wishes. I think he's been a fantastic player for us, um, and I just think it's a good deal for him. Really, um, I think he was never going to be be able to play within uh, a Guardiola team. I think he, um, unfortunately, and I do say this, you know, I don't, I, nobody takes any great pride in this, but he's gone to on loan to to uh, Torino and to West Ham. West Ham yeah. And he's not, he's not performed, has he? Well, Let's he's kind of proven Pep right, hasn't he? Yeah. Really? He, well, it, yeah, yeah. So you know, and I think, I, I, yeah. and you know, some of it could be the fact that he, you know, he, he's, you know, I don't, I don't know how he feels about, you know, um, you know, being sort of like, if you like, pushed away from Manchester City, you know, the club that he called his home. Mm. Maybe that's had a, had a massive effect on him, um, and therefore his form. Maybe, uh, maybe the fact that he's then lost his England plays because of it. Um, he probably does need to rebuild himself, really, you know, and get his confidence back, get his belief back. I mean, I believe, you know, people say, you know, he's quite a, uh, um, a confident, a very confident guy, and he's very, you know, assured of himself and everything else. But you know, we all know in life that sometimes that's a bit of a front. We've all got those little times when we don't feel so great. And if you've just been, you know, left Manchester City, the club that you called home. And everything else, and you've gone to Italy. You tried to make it there, and it's not quite worked out for you. You've come back to the Premier League, your league, where you you know you've yeah. already proved yourself, and then it's not worked out for you again. You probably need to go to Burnley and restart. I, I think it's I it's think a it's great a, move great, for him. a great move for him. I only think of it as a great move for him purely because he, he, the guy needs a break. You know, he lost his England place having played in every England qualifier, mm. and then Southgate. And fair play to Southgate; he showed he showed balls to do it. He, he dropped him um, for for Pickford. He's been through a lot, and I think he needs to rebuild emotionally because to to be told you're not good enough continually, having been told you the best thing since sliced bread for ten years, yeah. to be all of a sudden be out of favour and out of fashion, um, it's hard having to move a young family to Italy, then living in London and playing in London and it not going well. Don't forget, he's, he, I'm sure he's caused a wee bit of himself and consecutive city managers didn't quite fancy him attitude-wise, but I'm pleased for him. He'll work for a great boss in Sean Dyche, a good football club. The expectations are a little bit lower he stay around here, and I, I think it's a good move for him. Funnily enough, talking about transfer we, transfer fees, three point five million could be an absolute steal. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, well, when, yeah. when you know when when even half. I mean, we got rid of Angus Gunn for thirteen million to Southampton. 
and Joe Hart's <laughs> gone for three. Know. You know what I mean? And yeah. Angus Gunn's never played in the first team for us. So that bit's crazy, but I think it's best for him. It doesn't matter what's best for City because we'll move on with Pep knows with the direction he's taking us. I think it's a great move uh, for Joe Hart. You know Hart. what? I, I, I would imagine that the, you know, the, the fee, it, it would show that City, you know, that you know, the, the, they've considered what he needs mm. as well you because yeah. they've not yeah, asked yeah. for a ridiculous thing no, they they've not held him to ransom you know yeah. held him saying you know we want a big fee for him he's an England international still and he's this and yeah. that they've, you know they've let him go for peanuts really and likewise, but, but and in likewise. fairness that's a bit of a handshake isn't it finally on transfers just a quick one how much of a blow was it to, to miss out on Jorginho tell you in May uh, well uh, yeah probably the best answer actually tell you in May but I'd, I don't I don't really think so I'd, I'd, I'm not um, I, I think whatever happens, we'll have it. We'll come up with a solution. He's a great player, and he can play a ball over the top. His passing is absolutely fantastic, but I can't tell you the impact of not signing him until until May. Mm. Would not surprise me, however, if we went in for someone in January. Well, it's probably not an ideal opening fixture for either team. This one, Arsenal have a new manager and it's difficult to know how they'll play City had a lot of players at the World Cup who returned quite late uh, and do have a, a pretty poor record at the Emirates Guardiola doesn't really know how to approach games conservatively so I suppose we can take comfort in the knowledge that he's he's going to go there and, and put a marker down for the season do you think yeah, this I think so yeah, yeah I think confident. yeah I mean it, like you say he doesn't really sit back he won't sit back he'll play his way He'll try and force the opposition to their own half, uh, try and cover the, the ball back over the top behind our back line um, and uh, put them under pressure um, and, and see if they can deal with it. Uh, the main thing it really is uh, it's the energy. that that will I think with the first few games, that's what may let us down if, there's a, you know, the, if it's not quite in the legs yet. Um, and I think, but, but looking at Bernardo and looking at, Kevin De Bruyne should be back. I'm not sure whether he'll play on Sunday. Not sure, but I think Silva's been back a couple of weeks now. So whether he'll play, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, but, but I think, think we, I think we've got Mendy's fit. You know, he, he's back, and uh, I think he's a massive help in what we, what we're trying to achieve because him and Walker either side, they both can create havoc mm. down the wings. But also the other thing is they both got the pace to cover you. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I just I think we'll just continue. Yeah, I can't. I mean, we did on Sunday, didn't we? So, I can't right. for the life of me see what Arsenal have got in their midfield to combat Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne, and Bernardo Silva or David Silva. I can't. There's, they've got good strikers. I think Aubameyang and Lacazette. If they yeah. play, they yeah. might cause us problems. But generally, um, I, th- I generally think. And I'll, this will, I'll be proved wrong, so don't worry about this. But <laughs> on paper. It's that Liverpool fixture that's just in the corner of my eye. That that's mm. the one. I just think this this fixture is a bit too soon for their new manager. Yeah, it it feels like that. But at the same time, on the other <clears> hand, <throat> there's going to be a lot of expectation on Manchester City this season, given how well they did, how many records <clears> they <throat> broke, the 100 yeah. points. Mm. Um, is guarding against that expectation one of the biggest problems that that City are going to have this it season? Definitely, it is. It. It is, but the elements of last season that will have helped with that. You know, when you win five games on the bounce in the Premier League, the pressure's on because not many people do five games on. When you get to ten, it's like, right, the pressure's on. When the eleventh game is like United away, the pressure's on and you go there and win. And then you go into Newcastle away at Boxing Day or the day after and they defend like that, the pressure's on. We had pressure on us throughout that season and we managed to nail it we got beat by Liverpool and uh, you know the, the media sort of went, went to town on Liverpool being amazing <clears throat> and we I think we, we, we just went and went about our business I think we, we won the next couple of games yeah we drew to Burnley not long after that but then we went on another run as well we've been under pressure throughout last season I think I think uh, we've got the right the right set of players to, to manage that expectation and don't forget some of them have been involved in a World Cup where the expectations went right <laughs> through the roof so they know all about expectations I think we've got the right mature set of players to see us through this season successfully I, I just think that the the, uh, the the time that made me understand how good this side is is um, when we won the, Car- the Car- Carabao Cup mm. we then went to Arsenal and probably played our yeah. best 45 minutes of football I've ever seen us play. Yeah. Um, and then 
we went to che- we had Chelsea at home on the Sunday, and I was thinking, you know what, three games on the trot where we're going to play at that level, yeah. absolutely at that level. And you know what, we battered Chelsea that day. They were lucky with with the result, mm. um, and and I just realised then we just we're incessant. We don't sort of just go, oh great, we've won a cup, mm. and then we're going to Arsenal. We've got a big lead in the league. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. if we if we you know get a draw, it'd be great. Which would you know most fans have been happy with that. I think yeah. after a cup win, but we go and we just demolish them, and then we go we get Chelsea at home. Same side, I think it was, wasn't it? The same yeah. eleven yeah. for those three games. Yeah, pretty much. And then Chelsea on the Sunday, and uh, we absolutely completely outplay them again. And I just think there's a mentality there, which, but but going back to the point, I think you're trying to make is with all those records, when we lose two games on the trot. Are people going to say it's all over? The wheels are off. Yeah, and well, and they will. Of course they will, and of course they will, and that's going to happen. The, the, but that's because we've set such a massive amount of records. You know, we we've set you know points records, win records, away win records, goal records. You know, we, those records are going to stand. So we're not going to reach that this year, in my opinion. We're not going to reach that. The only one that I think we might possibly could be the goals one if we just go on a yeah. if it, it possibly I think the thing you've got to remember is as well is that Pep's done all this before with Barcelona he broke records with Barcelona he broke records with Bayern Munich the minute he stepped foot in this country he was under scrutiny and he was under pressure to, to, to win and he didn't in his first season and he got absolute pelters <laughs> for it he's always been under pressure so we've won the league and all the stats are great but He's done all this before in, in other leagues that, all right, they might not be as superior as the Premier League, but he's done it all before. I, I think we're not overstating what we've done last season, but I don't think we're, there's going to, I don't think there's any going to be any Wilton Willows in that squad who are going to, who are going to flake under the pressure. Well, the Blooming Podcast regular Richard Burns has written about City's battle with expectations for this season for our patron backers. If you back $2 a month this season, you get all our bonus shows and regular blogs by Richard, David Mooney and Howard Hocking. For more information on that one, do visit patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Check it out. It's a top read. Um, looking ahead at this weekend, let's look a bit further on. Let's get Arsenal out of the way. City after that have actually got... Quite a nice run-up to the trip to Anfield in October. So is this game a case of needing to get a positive result to, to remind the rest of the league you know, what they're up against? Is this going to set yeah. the standard? Well. If you're interviewing Pepe, would say every game's exactly the same. <laughs> and uh, Just to pick you up on something, though, that Huddersfield home game. Remember the Huddersfield home game last time at the end of the season? And I know the players have been out for a party. <laughs> Um, the the night before or a few nights before and so we didn't put in the greatest performance for Huddersfield were so regimented it was untrue and I I expect them to put the same in again that won't be easy Wolves away look at what they've spent and look at the amount of great players they've got so it's not as easy however yeah the biggest challenge is Anfield I, I think I think there'll be as tough a challenge as the Arsenal game I think they're all the same Wolves, yeah. Huddersfield, and Arsenal, but for different reasons. Very diplomatic answer that there, Murd. I, oh, I, th- I just think that you know I think the we'll different. Win, if that's what you're looking <laughs> for, we'll, we'll win. From what everything that that this team of players achieved from last season will have only increased that bond of trust that that manager and and players have, and and uh, psychologically what that does for a team going into a new campaign and everything that Pep will be telling them. I just can't see how they can't win the title. I, I, I can't no. see them not no. winning uh, the title again. No, and it, you know, we, we nineteen points, twenty-five ahead of Liverpool. I can't. The and and I don't forget yeah. as well. As much as people say, well, we had a few last-minute winners and stuff like that. Burnley, we hammered them in the first half. Yeah. This the thing Liverpool, is as well, we won't ever yeah. play that badly again. Were, United, we were two 0 up after fifty minutes, and we should have been four. We should have been six. It's because <laughs> not just Everton. not just some of those yeah. performances that you've mentioned, but in those performances, they didn't reach top gear. No, no, no they they, they no. strolled through so, too many games. They strolled through last season. Yeah. yeah. And and that's why I'm I'm absolutely bursting full of confidence for this season because mm-hmm. I look around at you know the the other teams that are going to be in and around us. Look at some of the transfers. Yeah, you know, like you like you said, Murd Liverpool have improved in certain areas where they needed to. Okay, you you take into the fact that you know they're going to settle in straight away. Are they going to be comfortable in the Premier League? You look around. You you know you don't see a complete squad of 
players that can interchange week in, week out that know the system inside out. And yeah. It's just ridiculous where no, we've gone is. in the space yeah. of it is. a season. Um, it's amazing. I don't see I don't see actually I'll go I, I actually think uh, Spurs are one injury away from being out of the top four and that's Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. didn't I mean and, and by the way, I think most teams would be but it, they just haven't it got would be a great backup. to have someone new in there. Someone doing a Leicester, not to win it, obviously, but someone new in there. Mm. It'd be great for that, but yeah, um, that's, the, that's the least of our. Well, that's the least of our worries. Last yeah. last week, I was thinking Everton was going to struggle. Then they signed all these players. We've got to get them to gel, though. Yeah, that's so, like everything. Yeah. Isn't it? Wolves. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, <laughs> that anyway. Be a success story. Yeah. yeah anyway. By the way, can you just say, do it? We're doing this nude because you said we had to. Do we always have to do it nude? <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Does Very everybody good. do this? Very good, Andrew. Anyway, fellas, <laughs> it is time to put uh, your money where your mouths are it because it is, time, it is time for the charity bet. It is back for this season. Sadly, we had no winners last week for the Community Shield, so we're looking to get off the mark with a correct score at Arsenal. William Hill is giving each panellist a £10 correct score single with the winnings going to the Christie, a hospital in Manchester that looks after and treats patients with cancer. So it's an amazing cause and uh, let's hope we can add some money to this season's pot. David Mooney has predicted it will be a 2-1 away win for Manchester City at the Emirates, which is 15-2 with William Hill, which means a tenner on that. Could win £75. Andy, what are you going for? 2-0. Going for 2 0. Yeah. Clean sheet. Clean sheet, yeah. Laporte and Stones at the back. Yeah, it tight. useful football at the back, uh, yeah. 2 0 with <laughs> uh, Will Hills's 10 to 1, which means could get a nice one in the pot there. Murd? Uh, I'm going Arsenal 1, City 3. 3 1. 3 1, definitely. Goal fest. Aguero to score 2. Oof. I think Kev might get the third coming off the bench. <laughs> well, I hope you're right because that is 12 to 1 with William Hill, Oof. which means £120 could kick off the season when it comes to the charity bet nicely. Don't forget you have to be 18 or over to gamble. Remember that prices can always change. If you want more information about responsible gambling, head on over to begambleaware.org. Time to move on now. And uh, who is going to come into criticism for spending this summer now that City haven't flashed the cash. Well, Howard Hocking has got the answers. I put a spell on you. It's been a while, a while since Jesus popped that ball into the back of the net and I decided that reaching 100 points was important after all. A long time, a while since I've had to moan about something if we ignore the incompetence of Manchester Airport and an even longer while since I've had a chance to rant to the media with them even being nice to the England football team during the summer. Of course there was the curious case of Raheem Sterling, there always is but I don't have the energy for that and we'll all hate him too when he leaves on a free in two years, engineering a move to Real Madrid, maybe. But whilst there's been a steady stream of football, much of it interesting since the end of last season, it's good to be back to domestic duties, and the stress levels can rise once more, the hairs grow further, if possible, and we can enjoy the crocodile tears of Jose Mourinho, which will keep this pleasant land green. Liverpool fans will be unbearable, and that's in relation to previous levels of being unbearable, so it could be a long nine months, especially if they win some games or one of their players scores a nice goal, but we wouldn't have it any other way. Well, we would, but we've got no choice. Imagine what flags they'll be parading about nearly winning something last season. Still, the very short transfer window gave us all a temporary distraction, and there was something to raise the odd eyebrow occurring this week as the deadline approaches. You'll have noticed it for sure, and I need little excuse to rally against the media narrative. A year ago, we brought a certain goalkeeper named Edison. You may know him. Looks like a Bond villain, transformed our play, and was so good he got a new seven-year contract before he'd even seen a year out at the Etihad. He cost £35 million, it seemed, and at the time of the signing, the fee caused people to faint in the streets, commentators to wonder what had happened to our once beautiful game, and consider why City persisted in destroying football, throwing money around like Wayne Rooney on a saga holiday. This is how it is now, of course. 
though the net spenders have had to have a summer off as City sold more players than we signed, and thus might get close to breaking even by the time the rest of Europe catches up and closes their transfer windows. We no longer have the most expensive goalkeeper, not even the second most expensive, but we'll always have the award for most expensive right-back from Yorkshire, most expensive central defender named John, and we've cornered the market in turning silvers into gold. Anyway, it's different now, of course. It's just the market, stupid. The market city probably created, no doubt. It's a normal price. You know, £71 million for an uncapped goalkeeper is normal a year after £35 million was obscene. This market moves in mysterious ways, normalising a fee for a goalkeeper that is greater than any fee City has spent on any player, ever. It was ever thus. After all, Mourinho moaned last summer about how United could not compete with City as we spend on full-backs what they spend on strikers. Then Woodward spent this summer desperately trying to spend striker-level sums on defenders. But Mourinho was proved right. United can't spend on full-backs what we do because no player in the right mind wants to go there. And I can't think why. After all, players go to City to make money, and to United to make history, remember? Little wonder Paul Pogba is on the verge of a hunger strike to get out of there. But whatever, City haven't been too adept at signing players either. The season ahead will be tougher for City than the previous one, I have no doubt about that. Previous champions have suffered badly by not strengthening after a title win, and it seems City are now repeating this pattern. There are some differences this time around. This squad is super strong and needed competition for Fernandinho and nothing more once Mares was on board. So if Fernandinho stays mainly fit during the season, it's not a disaster. Whilst Mendy of course feels like a new player, and the proviso that he too stays fit, of course. Foden may have his breakthrough season, hopefully, whilst Bernardo Silva has moved up another gear if the early signs are to be believed. It will be interesting to see just how much criticism flies Klopp's way if Liverpool do not mount a serious title challenge this season. You see, net spend is irrelevant, a smokescreen to protect against potential failure, to dampen expectations and reduce pressure. It does not matter how you construct a team for £300 million plus, through sales, a bond scheme or adult nappy partners in Uzbekistan. A £300 million plus team should still be challenging for a title in any country at any time. It's as simple as that. But why should it be harder for City? Well, there's the clear psychological issue of defending a title. Players find it hard to maintain a desire once a prize has been won once. But with Pep overlooking everything, this should not be a problem. After all, just look at how we celebrated the first goal in the Community Shield, which is a glorified friendly, whatever anyone says. He never rests and never will, and thus the players will not be allowed to either. It's little wonder he burns out occasionally. And there's a lack of strengthening already mentioned, in fact, I don't think 100 points will be achieved again by anyone because it's just so hard to be that relentless for so long, especially in a league awash with money where promoted sides spend £40 million. And to be honest, Liverpool do look good, though they may struggle like City used to against teams with a low block just looking to defend. And with any successful team, other managers slowly work out the secret to their success. They adapt and their methods become less successful. And us Pep will have to adapt yet again to keep ahead of the chasing pack. Though obviously he doesn't need to be told that. But never mind, even the youth players seem ingrained into our possession football now. And the football just seems on a higher plane with each passing month. Unless we're playing Liverpool, obviously. It was almost worth that extra £10 on my season ticket. I'm not sure about the confetti though. Hi, Colin Hendry, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Great to have Howard Hawking back on the Blue Moon Podcast. Time now for the final bit of the show, unfortunately, but it is all about you lot. You get your questions into us for Ask the Panel. If you want to get them in for a future episode, you can do visit us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Drop us a tweet or head over to the website, bluemoonpodcast.com, and you can send your questions in that way. The first one comes from Mike Eisner, who's got in touch on the website. What do you make of Richard Scudamore's comments about wanting more competition in the Premier League? Now, he said said I'd like multiple trophies needed in various locations on the last day 
because we don't know how it will end. I'd like someone to get a little bit closer to Manchester City. Clearly, given the way they played last season, they look like the team to beat. Now, what do you make of that? Uh, I, I've not got a problem with it. So the Premier League is, is a product. It is a business. And he's at the top of the organisation. And when you've got an organisation that is being watched by billions of people and you want that last week, last month tension where two, three teams can win it uh, and you've got the pot and you've got it in a helicopter and you go into a different ground. You want that. It's like a, the old Dallas cliffhangers. What you don't want is a team being 16 points clear on Boxing Day like we were or, or you know, 17 points clear in February from his point of view. So I totally understand it. It certainly wasn't a dig at City. And I know he was a judge to have said many moons ago around the fact that it is great for the Premier League that a big product, a big a big club like Man United are winning so many trophies. And I get that if you compare and contrast, it's different. But taking those comments on their own, I think it's understandable. He wants a cliffhanger at the end of the season and he didn't get one last season. So I'm I'm cool with it. It doesn't affect doesn't affect no. us. You I don't th- lose points for comments like that. I think what he wants is you know, 2012, doesn't he? He wants yeah. that. Yeah. Because Michael, I mean, the Michael well, Thomas goal of 89. Well, you want that, yeah. don't you? How do you how do you top that though? You well, know, you don't. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the thing. Is it? Is it? I think. But you want something nearer to that. I mean, and don't get wrong. Would we? You know, did we enjoy the Aguero moment more than any other moment in City's history? I think we did. And yeah. so I think would. And you know what? I think the football world enjoyed it. You know, I think it's still one of the most talked about events. You know, in world football, is that goal? You know what I mean? It's just mm. so. Yeah, why wouldn't he want that? Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I'm cool with it. It's a product, isn't it? At the end of the yeah. day. Next question also comes from the website from Kirsty Wells. Thank Raheem you. Sterling was undoubtedly the most improved player last season. Who do you think will be saying that about at the end of the season, and why? I think we've said it on yeah, Bernardo. Definitely, yeah. I well, think e- so. Yeah. If he's played in his, if he's played inside, um, in the, he's got then he definitely. Yeah. It, it'll be him. Yeah. Finally then, uh, Andy Fisher has been in touch. Which City player of the past would you have most liked to see in this City team under Pep? Uh, Well, Andy can go back a bit further than me. I just thought I'd get that in. Um, So in the time that I've been watching, obviously it's Colin Bell, but I wasn't wasn't around then. In the time I've been watching City, um, I'd probably say... I know a lot of supporters would say Georgie Kincladze, but I wouldn't. I'd probably say somebody like. Uh, I've got one who are you thinking, if you think. Go on. Ali Benabia. A younger Ali oh, Benabia. Oh, oh. Imagine that. Well, a younger Ali Benabia. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I, yes. I, I'd go for I'd go for centre half, someone like. Oh, I tell you who. I tell you who'd have been dynamite. Paul Lake in that side. Yeah, Paul Lake. Yeah. Paul Lake Shab- is John Stones. Yeah. I can just see it all now. So yeah. I think for me, I'd have loved to have seen Paul Lake because he'd have played centre-half or he could have played that role we were talking about before. The pivot. Yeah, yeah the pivot. Uh, I think for me, um, I'm going to go with a bit of a, a, a more recent one. That It's mad. It's such a massive part of City's history, but you know, it doesn't seem to be remembered as, as much as it should, in my opinion. But yeah. Tevez... Imagine yeah. Carlos Tevez leading yeah. well, the line. Work, oh, I think. A great shout, by yeah, the way. I think we covered this in the Patreon bit. Last time shout, we were on, he, he, shout, he, yeah. he defended from the front. His work weight was incredible. Yeah. He had the technique and ability. He had the fire in his belly. Mm. Um, yeah, he had the attitude problems, but I don't think he would have clashed as much with Pep. But yeah, I think you're right. Carlos Tevez is a belt. I, I think, think he would. I think he'd yeah. clash. I think they'd, I think that would be part of the entertainment. He might have the more rouse. respect for him. Yeah, but at the same time, they'd have, you know, Pep would come out in the press out. conference and say, <laughs> yeah. "I love him so much. Yeah. I love him." Yeah. But, but, but he's been calling him this, that, and the, you know, the yeah. each other. You can see him on the touchline. Well, yeah, it's like, I think it's like that clip, isn't it, from that that new um, series that we've got coming, where he says, "You know, I don't mind you hating me," and I'm mm. sure he doesn't. I mean, yeah. we do that with our kids, don't we? I know you're gonna hate me, but and yeah. he, he sort of did that, didn't he, with it, yeah. with with the players? And I think so. I think you're right. Tevez, he's quite happy for him to hate him if he ran out on the pitch. And perform like he did for us. He was amazing, wasn't he? But I think with all the comparisons with Colin Bell and, and Kevin De Bruyne, it'd be it'd be amazing to see Colin Bell in that midfield too. Yeah, of course it would. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Unfortunately, that is it oh, for no. this week's uh, episode of the Blooming Podcast. But don't forget, there is an extra bit, at least ten minutes a week. Uh, but normally, a bit more than that for patron backers of two dollars a month. This week, we're talking. 
all about some of the players who have played for both City and Arsenal ahead of this weekend's Premier League season opener. So if you do want to have a listen, sign up to patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. You'll also get regular blogs and features from our brilliant regulars, David Mooney, Richard Burns and Howard Hocking. And every penny goes towards the show's running costs. So you, uh, you know, you keep it slick. As, uh, as I like to uh, to say. Do you agree, fellas? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once again, thank you very much for listening and thank you uh, very much to Murd. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And Andy McNabb, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great week. the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast